Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hey, Mary. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we just had a little bit of a fight here. We well, did. Well, Jillian tells me I have a mad face. She, <laughs> we were talking about blind spots. She tells me I have a mad face. And I said, I don't have a mad face. I also told her she has a mad shuffle. I know. <laughs> I has, need you to act that out for me. Well, I will. It's kind of, I, I'll show you later. But okay. you do have a bit of a mad shuffle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, I'd like to think as a two, I just don't get angry and I keep it all suppressed. But obviously it oozes out. Of. <laughs> of. See, and that's the thing. Blind spots are not obvious to the person that has the blind spot, but they're obvious to others around. Right. Yeah. yeah. So... What is my what is my shuffle? What does my face look like when I'm mad? Um, it's kind of non-expression. Mm, I go which, sort of flat. Yeah, you, like you kind of go non-expression, but then I'm like, oh, well, I can read that. Because <laughs> <laughs> normally my face is pretty expressive. It is. Yes, you're right. So when you do the mm. opposite, you mm. might think that you're not displaying the emotion, right. but actually it might be the absence of emotion. Right. Yes. That's... Ah, very ah, good. Very see? good. See? Well, they do say that uh, people can pick up your anger signals with all the micro expressions way faster than you even feel the ang- emotion of anger. That's scary, eh? I know. Well, anyway, all that to say okay. is we're still talking about blind spots. And as we promised from last week, we're going to talk about Tasha Urich's, uh strategies for overcoming our blind spots. Yep. Um, there's three strategies that she talks about, which are not going to be unfamiliar to you because we've talked about this before, but I really appreciate what Tasha does is she brings some research and other expert thoughts around it, which I think is so important. So it's not just us making it up here in our little bubble that it actually (laughs) is based on um, science. So she says the first step, which we talk about again and again and again, is first of all, I'm going to reword it this way. Assume that you have assumptions. Yes. Right? Like, Let's not pretend that we don't have assumptions. When we go into a given situation, we always have assumptions about others, about ourselves, about the situation. So if we really want to look at our blind spots, we have to identify and also confront our assumptions. You know, I think that's kind of hard. Yeah. Um, Like, because we all know we have bias too. Yeah. But I think maybe it's easier to uncover bias than it is to uncover assumptions. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, that's true, because I think assumptions underlie our bias. So it's another deeper layer. Right. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just I'm mulling it in my mind at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it is really rare because we feel like it's true. It feels true. We experience it as true. So dig deep and think that how we're experiencing this situation is based on an assumption, that's tough. So it is actually rare to question our assumptions about ourselves and the world around us. And especially people who are successful or ambitious or are driven, uh, they're just so fast-paced moving forward with 
pursuing their goals, that they don't think about what assumptions may be underlying it, which actually, by the way, uh, can have insecurities, fears, chronic anxieties. Mm -hmm. And from that, we make assumptions about safety or lack thereof or who we can trust or not trust or how we present ourselves. Like even this assumption that when I'm not wanting to show my anger, my face goes uh, expressionless. I'm The assumption is that I'm not communicating anger. Right? <laughs> right. Everybody right. sees it, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, one way. Um, she's quoting this um, management professor, Peter Drucker, who says one of the ways to question our assumption is to get in the habit of comparing our past predictions with actual oh, outcomes. Oh, there's a good one. Right? So um, every time he, this this uh, professor, uh, Drucker, would try to make a, an important decision, he would actually write down what he expected to happen. Oh. And then he would compare it to what actually happened. That's really, really interesting. Right. So let's say my assumption is I'm going to bomb at that particular speech that I'm making. So I'm going to write it down. People are going to laugh at me. I'm going to like stumble over my words. Write it all down, what you think is going to happen. Right. And then afterwards, compare it to what actually happened. Right. You know, this is a really good coaching tip for type sixes Mm -hmm. who have a worst case scenario kind of, you know, risk mitigation mindset. Yeah. Is... Because they t- sometimes under stress they go to the extremes, right? Mm-hmm. Where right. they overthink everything, right. overplan everything, right? And that would be a really interesting exercise for them, for right. everyone. But yeah, I mean, anybody in the head center, their their heads are always busy yes. for whatever it is that they're. You know, sevens sort of planning of this wonderful future. Six is trying to problem solve possible disaster. Fives are right. just trying to gain as much insight and knowledge about a situation. Is but but you know, I, I'm going to challenge you on that yeah. one because as an eight, I'm responding to that from my gut center. Right. And so I make assumptions as a eight. Right. Based on my gut. Right. Which True. may be based on someone's worst day yeah. that they're having. Right. And then I've made an assumption mm. about that person based on my gut reaction right. to them. Right. So. Well, we all make assumptions. Where I was going with it mm-hmm. wasn't that the uh, head, pe- head center people make more assumptions than we do. I'm just saying, based on what you were saying, is their brains are so busy thinking. Gotcha. That uh, sometimes uh, it takes them down a road that's not actually based in reality. Okay. So, um, so. So uh, the, there's also a, um, a suggestion, too, about challenging our assumptions. Sometimes, like when we first practice it, we can do it in hindsight. But wouldn't it be great to be able to do it real time when you're actually in the situation? Um, so the, the, there's a psychologist, Gary Klein, and he suggests doing a pre-mortem. Uh, by asking, so imagine that we're a year into the future and we've implemented the plan as it exists. The outcome was a disaster. Write a brief history of that disaster. Ooh. So that's sort of the opposite. Yeah. Maybe to help you prevent you making a, a difficult uh, or a disastrous decision, or you kind of anticipate it. And I actually kind of do this automatically is I kind of play it out in the worst case scenario. So it's almost like I give myself space to prepare emotionally if that worst case thing were to happen, recognize I'm actually going to be okay. And so I can let go of the anxieties of it. And then I can flip it to the other side. But what if it does go well? Wow. I know that my brain is busy too. So... Yeah. But you also process very quickly. You're a real, like, you're the fastest processor of anyone I know. 
So I think that your real-time processing mm. is much more in the moment um, than mine is. Mm. I, I can process some things very quickly, but the deep stuff, that takes a lot longer. Right. I think you process it quickly on the gut level, but to be able to put it into words mm. and maybe bring it to the head level or the heart level might take a little longer. So that's a good question for yeah. our listeners. Yeah. Like, what? how do you process? Like, do you think you're a fast processor? Do you think you, you know, you mull and you inspect and you ruminate? And how is that maybe building into your assumptions? Right. Or helping you break assumptions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, start with the reality that you have assumptions. Yes. You just do. So try to figure out what they are. Um, and I think also having honest conversations, like what you just told me about my facial expression. <laughs> I have this assumption that I'm all zen on my face, but actually that's not true. So that, as I get feedback, helps me to recognize those assumptions and to try to break them. Now, Tasha has some questions in the appendix that I think are really great questions. Um, So one way that she says to avoid the three blind spots, if you remember, what are the three blind spots again? Right. There's the knowledge, emotion, and... Behavior. Behavior. Right. Knowledge, emotion, behavior. Yeah. So it's it's one way to do it. Avoid the blind spots. Identify your assumptions before you make critical decisions. And Mm. here are some questions that she asks. Now, this is work context because she's writing this book for, um, like, often work executives and all of that leaders. So how will this, and you know what, I'm going to rephrase it to be more average person. Okay. How will this decision impact people? Uh, in around me, are there any stakeholders, anybody who's going to be impacted, like my family or friends or people I work with that I haven't considered? So this decision that I'm about to make, have I thought about how it's going to impact those around me, even okay. even people I, I don't necessarily think about? So that's one question. The other question is, what are the best and worst cases if you implement this decision? So kind of like what I said, imagine the worst case, mm-hmm. you know, think yourself through it and mm-hmm. then flip it to the other way, best case. Um, another question she says is, what consequences for this decision have you failed to consider? Ooh. And I am very fortunate that I'm actually married to a six because I just have to go ask him. That's <laughs> like, right. Uh, often the number of times he's said, well, have you thought about this? I'm like, no, I haven't. Um, I love it. And so just even even if you don't have a six in your life, just having uh, another person to bounce the ideas of their more likely to be more objective and mm-hmm. seeing that there may be some things you haven't thought about, just a different perspective. Um, so what about somebody who's totally unconnected to the decision? What would they like or dislike about it? So imagine that. Um, what sources of information or data have you overlooked in arriving at this decision? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Because we have talked about confirmation bias before, right? Where we look at the research and the the other side that just supports our decision. Mm-hmm. We don't look at it critically from another, like almost antagonistic, yeah, yeah. viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yes, and she has these other mm-hmm. questions that aren't so much about it's it's being helping you identify whether there's actually things going on in your life meaning underlying assumptions, uh, what she calls known unknowns, 
uh, or unknown. Ooh. So she, they're talking about she's um, known knowns, known unknowns, but also unknown unknowns. Wow. I know. So many knowns. Um, so if you were to read the list, and this is in her appendix, and circle the ones that relate to you, likely there's something going on in your underlying assumptions. So as a question, has your job or career made you feel unhappy or unfulfilled for a prolonged period of time? Yeah. So what's keeping you there? Right. What are the underlying assumptions? Have you ever been surprised that you didn't get a promotion or a job you applied for? Mm. What are the underlying assumptions there? Right. Have you ever failed at a task or project that you were sure you'd succeed? Um, have you ever been blindsided by negative feedback from somebody? Now, mm. there's one to sit on. That is one to sit on. Because uh, blindsided means that it's completely unknown. You did not expect it's it It's an unknown unknown. It's an unknown un- unknown, right? So just, you know, really assume that we have assumptions and try to identify them and then start to confront them as recognizing that they are assumptions and they may not be based in reality. You know, that whole idea of the unknown unknowns mm. bends my mind a bit. Yeah. Because especially at our ages, mm-hmm. you would think that we're, there's kind of not a lot. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. You that think is we unknown, know unknown, unknown. I know. I know. That's why it's even more of a, like, you know, It's a gut shocker. punch, right? It's a gut punch. Yeah. I thought I knew myself. And yeah. then yet, and especially since we work hard on it, too. Right. Yeah. Like, we're here we are doing all the work. Yeah. How are there still unknown unknowns? Right. Yeah. It is a mind bender for Yeah. So the second technique that uh, Tasha suggests to help us work uh, with our blind spots is just simply keep learning. And not just in things that we don't know about, keep learning in areas of expertise. Because remember, knowledge blind spots often are in the areas that you are already knowledgeable about. Right. And so then you make assumptions that you already know it all which is not true. Um, so they did this study. Um, she's quoting this study um, is a, quite a while ago, but the study found that when overconfident poor performers were trained to improve their performance on a task, not only did they improve, so did their awareness of their prior oh. ineffectiveness. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because if you're not committed to the ongoing learning, you don't know what you don't know. And then once you learn it, then you realize, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. Does that yeah. make sense? So, like, keep learning. Like, in, in my field, uh, I have a natural curiosity anyway, and I like staying on top of the research. So I love reading about it in, in some, you know, quirky, like, geeky way. But I remember not that long ago, I had a, a phone call from another psychologist uh, about a report I had done on a psychoeducation. And she was ready to report me to the college because Oof. she had um, said that I had interpreted the data inaccurately. You know, and I am just trying to listen and be kind and all that kind of stuff. But what I realized is that she was basing her assumptions on old ways of interpreting data. Right. And she hadn't stayed on top of the research. Ooh. And so she had made these assumptions. And then she was like basically giving me the gears. And I, I didn't feel it was my place to correct her because I don't even know who she is. I'm just like, thank you for the feedback. Uh, and th- I ended the conversation. But like, this is what I don't want to do. I never want to do that. And the other thing too is like, I love the fact that I work with younger people yep. because they're always telling me, hey, did you know this? Did you hear about this? And uh, I, no, I haven't. Like the willingness to go, no, I don't know. Yes. Whoa. It's a huge. Especially and in your area of expertise. 
that's right. And I think that, you know, in like, look, look at all the massive changes that have happened over the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. The way information is gathered. Yeah. The way information, it comes at you. Like yeah. A, yeah. It's like a, I mean, right now, if I wanted to know something, I just type in a keyword mm-hmm. and I have sources out the wazoo, as that's you would right. say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And just think of where we are now, whereas where we used to be 30 years ago to get any kind of data like that. That's right. That's right. And what so, you were taught in school back then may not be relevant now because the latest research actually, how many times have research has research overturned yes. uh, previous beliefs? You know, it's, it's a very, very like minor example. Right. But in the dog training world... Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be kind of this punitive yeah. way of training a puppy, you yeah. know, not to pee in the house and all mm-hmm. those kinds of things and mm-hmm. how to walk on a leash. Well, it's done a complete 180. Yeah, right? it has. And we now know so much more about animal behavior mm-hmm. and how a dog thinks and interprets the world around it. Right. That like all the guide dog schools that have been training dogs for years and years mm-hmm. have changed their practices. Yeah. They now do all kinds of research. They're always owning their skills mm-hmm. because they want to honor the animal. Right. 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 And their brain and the way they work. Yeah. But they also want to give that animal to the client right and have them have a great working relationship i know well you and i follow that uh uh, Instagram account oh. where she raises puppies and she does it from a science-based perspective and she's teaching us as well. I okay. love it. People, it's called Nickelberry Goldens. Yeah. N-I-C-H-O-L Berry Goldens. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, there she's got the cutest videos and pictures of the puppies and they, they make these cute little... <laughs> but it's, it's a glimpse into the science right. and the evolution of how... Dogs have changed in our domesticated world. Yeah. And it's really fascinating. I know. It is so fascinating. If you think about how fascinating animals are, yeah. like, and how complex they are, like, like times a cajillion when it comes to human beings. So how do we think we've got other people I know, figured out? I know. That's exactly right. Like, we're, we're continuing to learn. Um yeah, and, and like even in the area of leadership, like I know many leaders have done the master's degree. They've gone to this program or that program, but even the art of leadership continues to change. So just please keep learning and find the thing that works for you, whether it's listening to podcasts, whether it's reading, whether it's attending workshops. I mean, we all have different learning styles. Sometimes it's experiential. Like don't assume you know it all. And be willing to listen to voices that are outside Mm. of the practice that you've been involved in. Oh, I love that. Right? Yes. You might not agree with them initially, but if you go in with that non-judgmental curiosity, you might actually learn something fabulous. That's right. Yeah. So the last way, and again, we keep saying this, uh, she says, continuously seek feedback on, no, not generically, like, how am I doing? Yeah. Like, Feedback on our abilities and our behaviors. Be as specific as possible. Objective feedback is important. Now, people hate 360 feedback. People hate performance reviews, all those kinds of things in the organizational world. And some of it, frankly, isn't always well done. And sometimes there's politics around it. But like, regardless, you can take any little gem of feedback Mm -hmm. and you can learn from it. 
So yeah. if you go in with that attitude is I want feedback on my abilities and my behaviors, and I'm always asking for it. First of all, people love that about you. Yeah. Um, so I was just having a conversation last night with somebody I'm thinking about taking on as part of our team. And she was all over the thing is so like, I can come to you for feedback. I can ask you about it. And I said, I, my commitment to you is that I will give you real time feedback so that we know whether this is going to work or not work. And she's like, oh, please. What a gift that is. Well, people because don't realize that because you, you, you want to do well. Like you want to do well. Uh, aren't many of us. Yeah just always wondering how we're doing. Yes. Right? And if we're waiting on an annual review to find out, right. we can get blindsided. Right. Well, one of the things that I learned, as I've already said, I think, because <laughs> my memory, from coming from my doing my two days of intensive uh, trauma therapy mm-hmm. is when I think my deepest triggers of hurt are often when I feel my integrity is being questioned Ooh, or my motivation. Yeah. Yeah. But I realize that integrity, which means wholeness, means also being whole with myself, which means I need to be honest with how I actually feel and what I actually think. And I need to be much more direct in telling that to people. And it helps them if if they're reporting to me, for example, like how do they get better in their craft if I don't give them feedback? Right. Um, How do they do better in their performance if I'm not telling you them specifically what I'm looking for? Like people actually want that type of clarity. They do. Yeah. So By the way, if you're in an organization where you don't have that type of a boss or don't have that type of clarity, like I'll be honest, um, uh, and not so long ago, a few years ago, I had somebody reporting to me and uh, I tend to talk in big picture language. And he was kind of like, well, how do I actually get that done? So I gave him full permission to come and ask me for feedback. And he was fabulous. He would come and ask me very specific specific questions, Mm -hmm. which would help me drill down in my thinking. So if you're not getting that type of feedback, but you actually want it and you ask people around you for it, you'd be surprised at how open they would be to that. I think because it's also so rare. Yeah, that's true. Right. And it puts you in a position of vulnerability. Right. Yeah. And I think people genuinely want to see you succeed. Yeah. So they're going to probably go away and think about it. Right. And be look at it more critically. Right. Um, and yes. I think that's a good thing. You know, uh, people are actually way more generous than we think they are. And they do like to pass on opportunities and insights. And so if I'm going to choose who I'm going to give uh, opportunities to, it's going to be that person who ha- who seeks feedback and loves to grow. Yeah. Like that's the person I'm going to invest in. And I'm happy to help open doors for you if that's the way you're wired. So yeah. like there's a, there's just so much benefit, let alone the fact that you're just personally growing and that's you're learning right. about yourself. So there's so much to grasp onto in these last two episodes about mm-hmm. blind spots mm-hmm. and assumptions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I think that just those two words alone mm-hmm. are going to challenge people in a way that, like they're challenging us right now. Yeah. They're going to challenge people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the book has been really great in how practical she I agree. Uh, spells it out. It's not that complicated. Uh, it's really the persistence, consistency, the follow through, all, that intentionality to keep doing it. And you will uh, look back at yourself one day and go, wow, how far have I come? Because I've been practicing these things. Yeah. And there's, as I said before, she's so generous with all the resources. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her appendix in the book is one of the most yeah. robust I've ever seen. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's worth it. Yeah. Definitely worth it. Excellent. Okay. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Take care, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. 
We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.